This is the Erasing Shame Podcast, Season 3. Honest talk for healthy living, growing, and thriving. All right, well, welcome everybody to today's episode of Erasing Shame. Uh, today we're going to be doing something different. Um, if you haven't met me my, myself, my name is Nancy and I'm your Season 3 co-host, but today we have a panel. And so DJ, who is also my co-host and the founder of Erasing Shame, the creator of this podcast, is also joining me with uh, our dear friend here, my friend Joy Chang, who I know from um, my coaching community. So she's done a lot of great work. I wanted to have her come on here as well, because she's also a podcaster. Um, Briefly, I know um, DJ here has done a lot of work within um, this topic for many years now, and he's also been doing blogging as well. But DJ, do you want to just um, give a quick introduction of how you came to start your podcast and what was your interest in terms of the journey that you've been on to um, sharing more about the topic of shame? Sure. Um, I started this podcast, Erasing Shame, in February of 2018 to open up this conversation about shame. and. Uh, I think I learned from Brene Brown, a very popular author and speaker who's popularized the topic of shame in mainstream America, that uh, shame festers in silence. So I thought, well, what's the opposite of silence? Let's, let's talk and have some healthy ways of talking about shame. So shame is very simply that feeling of worth, worthlessness and feeling bad, that you are bad, which is different than guilt, which is Uh, doing something bad. So uh, being bad and feeling uh, that painful feeling bad affects us not only emotionally and mentally, but it affects us psychosomatically, which is a fancy word for biology. (laughs) And so uh, every every season I have a different co-host because we want to have different perspectives on this uh, podcast. We aim to have the conversation go weekly so that people can join the conversation and get to know us so that they too can feel like um, get a little more courage to tackle the shame that's holding them back in their life. So, and well, I, I've had many years of experience with shame because I'm Asian American. So <laughs> uh, come from a Chinese, traditional Chinese family, came to the US when I was eight. So it's been a big part of uh, my life and journey. So that's brought me here. Yeah, and then the way that you just define shame and guilt, did you want to kind of introduce that for our new listeners? Oh, I weaved it right in. So it was totally seamless. I'll repeat that. So guilt is doing something wrong, that I've done something wrong. And then shame is I am bad, that I am worthless. And it's that painful feeling, which can be imposed by yourself or imposed by other people, depending on the society. And then Joy, uh, just so I can properly introduce you, I know Joy through my coaching community here in San Diego, and she's actually a transformational book publishing coach. She's had the privilege of being a TEDx speaker. She's also authored a book called The Naked Truth Movement, or The Naked Truth, which is a woman's uh, journey to self-love. And she currently has a podcast called The Naked Truth Movement, which talks a lot about different stories that typically stay in the dark um, that do address topics around shame. So I did want to bring her on here as well to be able to share a little bit of her journey as well as the things that she's been able to learn through this process. So Joy, do you want to talk a little bit about that whole process and how you came across this whole um, path of, you know, the naked truth movement and uncovering your shame? 
Sure. So um, I won't take you back too far, but um, you know, my story begins in my 20s. Um, I went through a period of years of depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, and you know, at the time, it was not only like a you know sad, uh, dark time in my life, but really confusing because I didn't understand why I was feeling that way. So my life wasn't actually bad at the time. You know, it wasn't like I had something horrible happen, like going through a bad breakup or losing someone close to me. Um, I had a good job. I had family and friends that cared about me. Um, I was in a relationship, and you know, things seemed good in my life. Um, but for some reason, I was feeling this way. You know, and I didn't tell anybody. Um, even after you know years later, um, the only person I ever told was my dad until. Many years later, eventually, I posted it on Facebook, and I even had people say, you know, wow, like, that have known me for years. Like, I had no idea, right? So I think that that's pretty common, like, when when someone actually decides to kill themselves. Um, a lot of times we ask, you know, what were the warning signs, right? And I think that a lot of times there probably aren't. I know in my case, there wouldn't have been any warning signs. Um, and so, you know, so I was going through this really hard time in my life where I had trouble getting out of bed, you know, and I would cross this bridge on the way to work and just have thoughts of what would happen if I jumped off this bridge. Um, and then I ended up in an abusive relationship. Um, and actually, at that point, it was the greatest gift in my life. Um, I truly think that that was a huge gift. You know, now, of course, at the time, you know, I didn't feel that way. And, um, you know, I had to go through a lot um, to get to that place. But, you know, I think that that was the greatest gift because it really shined light on the fact that I didn't love myself. Um, I really hadn't had that awareness up until that point. And then when I was in that relationship, you know, I started thinking, wow, I must not love myself because if I did, I wouldn't be in this situation and I wouldn't continuously be in this situation. You know, so I was in that relationship on and off for four and a half years. Um, and then through being in that relationship, I was introduced to this type of healing work called matrix energetics, which is a type of healing that I do with my clients sometimes. And being at that seminar, I actually went with my ex. Um, and, you know, when we were there, I just really started opening me up and helping me see the world in a different way and see us, you know, who we are in a different way. Um, I think that I do believe that we're spiritual beings having human experiences, that we're not human beings having spiritual experiences. And so really the understanding my spirituality, you know, my faith um, played a big part in learning how to love myself. Um, but I basically through being there, I started to um, it gave me the courage. I started questioning beliefs I had. And then I made the decision that I needed to end that relationship, you know, for good and start learning to love myself. Um, because, you know, that's something that I wasn't taught. I think a lot of us aren't taught how to love ourselves, you know, and like I said, I didn't even know it was an issue. So why would I work on something that I didn't even know was a problem until I realized it was? And then it was like, okay, um, now, you know, I have a choice to make here. I can make a decision to start learning to love myself. And I did. And then the universe started bringing opportunities to help me and support me in that decision. Um, and so, you know, basically then, you know, after a lot, there's a lot of different things that help support me um, with that. But eventually I, you know, realized that, you know, that's a big part of why I'm here is to help people learn to love themselves, to be, you know, teach and embody it. Um, and so then I, you know, wrote and published my book in 2017. And actually, probably around that time, even a little bit before I started thinking about doing a podcast, but I decided to do the book first. Um, and then finally, in um, September last year, I launched my podcast. And really, I call it the Naked Truth Movement because it is, I believe it's a movement. It's, it's bigger than the podcast. I mean, the podcast is a tool for it. But um, I really think that, you know, the more that we can share our stories and be vulnerable and share our pain, because, you know, no matter what people's lives look like, you know, on the outside, right, we all have struggles that we go through. And, you know, I interviewed somebody that's made and lost millions over and over again. And so he, you know, by definition, by some people's definition is has been successful, it is successful, right? And yet he still has challenges, and he's gone through challenges. And just to show that, 
no matter what we've done and you know achieved that we all have challenges and I think the more that we share that the more less like the less alone that we feel you know and I know for me um you know I have had that experience a lot in my life where I felt alone and some of it's probably self-imposed because you know it is especially when you're depressed it's hard to reach out for support but that was also a big part of my journey and helping me heal from that was to reach out for the support and to find community yeah it's crazy because, you know, we hear the greatest stories of people who have overcome the hardest seasons of their life. Um, but in our society, it's sometimes it's hard to find safe spaces to really talk about the dark side of going through that. And so both of you guys have obviously walked through, you know, your own journey in your own seasons of pressing into that dark side and then coming through on the other side of it. What would you say was that internal uh, switch that happened that therefore you really wanted to then say, Hey, this is something that I'm going through. And now I can actually be on the other side of helping other people through it. DJ, do you want to start first? Okay. Uh, Elders first, I guess. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't have one specific point in time where the switch came on. It's been little switches along the way. Uh, probably every three to five years, the way my cycles tend to go. So my biggest recurring um, challenge in life is managing my mental health. So I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2000 after a job transition. It took me about a year to recover to something that I feel normal and functional. And then I have some self-imposed stress or stress that happens to me with job transitions or moves that have caused me to readjust uh, every few years. And um, I think um, my undergrad was computer engineering, but uh, two years after graduating, I, um, I wanted to serve and help other people. And so I went to grad school and studied theology. So uh, I kind of committed my life to uh, giving and serving. And um, then I realized that my own mental health is a story that can help other people. And so the, uh, every time that I've had since 2013 to share my story, I share it very openly. And I feel like I have the uh, support and faith to um, withstand the pushback or the misunderstanding that might happen. And um, that, yes, and since 2013 and then, 2018, I was inspired to start a podcast because I know during my own struggle, I uh, I couldn't hear and I couldn't find resources that were fresh. There were things that were published years ago, and there's books, there's seminars, there's conferences, but they weren't readily available and accessible. And I thought, you know what, a podcast can reach people uh, who's struggling with their bedroom door closed and they can't talk to their parents. And so I I want to leverage that and make this available to speak to where they're struggling. Joy, do you want to chime in? Sure. Yeah, I think um, similar to what DJ said, I don't know if there's one specific moment. I think there are several moments. Um, as a kid, I just always had this knowing that I was here for something bigger than myself. So I, you know, I say sometimes, I don't know if that sounds cheesy, but it's just this been this inner knowing of like, I'm not here just to make money and have fun. Um, even though, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that I'm also here to make a big difference in the world, you know? And so I just knew it from a very young age that 
my life was more than just for myself. Um, and then, you know, I, um, was introduced to the field of counseling um, through my parents getting divorced between eight and 10 years old. And we did family therapy. And so I wanted to um, become a therapist, do family and marriage counseling and have my own practice. Um, and then I got, you know, my bachelor's in psychology, my master's in social work. And I ended up working at nonprofit um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, you know, right after, after grad school. And it was there that I got introduced to coaching. I actually interviewed a woman who's a life coach and I had never heard of a life coach at that point. You know, it was pretty fairly new at that time. I think everyone <laughs> has heard of life coaches now, but at the time it wasn't that common. And so I got to, you know, interview her and find out more about what that was. And then I decided that that felt more aligned for me to become a coach instead of um, starting my own counseling practice and I ended up manifesting getting laid off my job, which was a complete total manifestation because I was the only one that got laid off and they had a, like a plan to double their staff in three years. Like there was no shortage of money. Uh, and so it was definitely um, a gift though, because I, I needed that extra push to kind of just start, you know, doing my own thing and doing the thing I always wanted, which was to have my own um, business and, uh, and to make a bigger difference. Cause I felt like I was making a difference there, but I wanted to make an even bigger difference. Um, and so then, you know, I, I started my life coach, um, journey and I started that part-time while I was working at my job and then like I said I got laid off so then it kind of forced me into full-time um, with my coaching practice and um, and so you know I've gone through evolutions with it um, and you know at first I just started as a life coach and then I went to a seminar where um, it was about finding figuring out your purpose and we did this like guided visualization meditation um, and it was during that point when I got clear that, you know, I'm here to teach and embody self-love because it's the thing that I've struggled with the most, right? So they say your mess is your message. And, you know, I think that um, that, that is very true. I think that, um, you know, we, we come here, our souls come here with a purpose. I believe we all have a unique purpose, right? And that um, a lot of times what we're here to help people with is what we have to experience the opposite of first, because how can we know? It's like, how can you be the embodiment and teach self-love? if you haven't been in a situation where you didn't love yourself, right? It almost like forces you to then learn. So, um, so, you know, and you can say that for a lot of things, but um, that's been my experience and my journey. Um, and yeah, so that was a very, you know, critical point where I realized, okay, this is specifically what I'm here to help people with. Um, and then, you know, now as a, a book publishing coach, that came from my own journey of, you know, putting myself out there and sharing my story um, really vulnerably, obviously, when you write a book called The Naked Truth, you can't like, you know, not do that. Um, and so by doing that, I uh, ended up like completely shifting the focus of my business because at the time I was coaching women, helping them lo love themselves so they could live their dream life. And I thought that putting out my book, um, in addition to sharing my story and inspiring people to share theirs would help me to have more clients, you know, to attract more women to help them love themselves. Um, but I ended up doubling my income in three months. I got my highest paying client. I had people reaching out to me about speaking engagements, um, you know, been on like uh, over 30 podcasts now. I had several podcasts, you know, that I've been on that have huge followings. Um, and really the greatest feeling though is knowing that like when I die, I don't have to wonder what impact I've made on the world. You know, that I've left an impact that's going to live on forever that can change people's lives long after I'm gone. And just that whole journey was so amazing for me that I, I got so inspired to help other people to have that experience. I was like, this is so amazing. I just want everyone to, to have this, right? So it really shifted the focus. I So I kind of joke, I, I fell into book publishing because it wasn't what I thought, you know, but then it's really what's cool is when you look, when I look back at my life, I can see that stories has always been the theme of my life. Um, you know, and as a kid, I would ask people what they did for a living. 
And it wasn't that I really cared if they were, if they said they were a doctor or a lawyer, for example, but I wanted to know why they decided to become a doctor or become a lawyer, because there's usually a story behind it. You know, I mean, maybe it's my parents wanted me to do that, but usually there's something behind it. So I wanted to know the story. And then at Big Brothers Big Sisters, my job when I first worked there was to interview the uh, volunteers and the families to be in the program. Right. So I would literally spend an hour and a half, two hours sitting down with these volunteers and these families and basically hearing their whole life story. I would have volunteers joke at the end that they're like, you probably know more about me than my friends do now. And, you know, I loved that <laughs> part of my job because I loved hearing people's stories. And so, yeah. And then, of course, with being, the, um, you know, a podcast host now, what I love about my podcast is being able to hear people's stories. You know, I when I first before I launched it, I thought about, well, do I want to do a podcast talking about publishing? And I was like, honestly, after a few episodes, I'd probably get really bored. I mean, there's only so much you can say. But I think that, you know, when it comes to people's stories, I mean, that's what, like, I, I love stories because that's what connects us. Um, and, um, yeah, I just, like I said, that's always been there. I just didn't even realize it until I, I looked back at it. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you guys both for coming on and sharing your story as well as, you know, opening up. Um, this space for people to really find their own journey of healing and sharing their stories because it is through the process of our sharing our stories that um, there's a lot of healing and connection that we can be able to share with the world. Um, do you guys want to add anything further about that experience of being able to be trusted with hearing people's stories and the impact that it's had for them as well as for you being able to create that space? Uh, I'll say a couple of things. I was laid off in uh, 2012, the day after Obama was reelected. Coincidental, not because of that. And for the next six months, I tried to become an entrepreneur to hear, because I hear all these amazing stories of how people just um, went after their dream and was able to become a business and do what they love and do what they're good at. and. Uh, after six months of trying, it just totally stressed me out and it worsened my mental health. So I had to back off from that and not listen to those stories and had to find my own story. And in the same way, I would say, uh, since we're two podcasters here, that not, and I've written a book on a different subject, but not all of us who have gone through our struggle have to write a book or become a public speaker or have a podcast. I think the biggest step is being able to share your uh, painful story with someone you can trust and have that safe place to um, get you to take the next step of um, healthy living and ultimately to, um, as Joy says, um, to love yourself and to take care of yourself. Uh, a, a lot of work um, in managing my own self, um, self-care, uh, is knowing what I need to sleep, knowing what I need to eat, what kind of workout I need to do. And it's, it's a very practical, physical thing that I was neglecting. And so, uh, I kind of wanted to qualify how my story, um, might not match everybody's, but, uh, our viewers and listeners should also, uh, find the, uh, find their own way with the help of others. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something powerful in being able to at least put onto paper, whether you share it with the world or not, right? Like your experience mm -hmm. of being able to draft it on paper, share your story, whether it's through a journal or whether it's something that you do release publicly. 
Yeah. Right. Yes. And then joy, because you're on the other side of that, where you do get to celebrate people who do want to go public with their stories because there's a bigger mission or purpose that, you know, we believe that we want to be able to open up the world for their healing journey. Um, you know, what is that, what is that experience for you? I mean, just not even just for your book publishing, but also the podcast side of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that, I mean, it's, it's been great. It's been interesting because, you know, one of the questions I ask on my show is what's your naked truth. And that's something that either they've never shared with anybody or something that they feel makes them feel vulnerable and naked when they share it. And, you know, I, I've had some people say similar things, but there's been a lot of different things that people say, which I think is interesting. I don't know if I, what my expectation was, if I had an expectation before I launched my show, but I think, yeah, I think I was surprised that there are so many um, differences with what people share, because um, I do think that, you know, even though we have different stories, that we all are the same, you know, at the end of the day, like we want the same things, right? And we have similar emotions that we feel. And so that's why I think that, you know, when we share stories that we can connect with each other, because even though we may not have had the same life as someone else and experienced the same things, we have the same emotions, right? And so one of the things that I loved, um, so I had someone that sent me a message after I put my book out and said, you know, wow, I, I feel like, you know, I had, a, I've had a very different life than you, but I felt like you were talking to me. And I was like, that is just like perfect because that's exactly like what I believe in and when, why it's important to share our stories is because, um, because they do connect us, right? They help us to know that we are all the same. You know, at the end of the day, we all want health and, and wealth and love and, all, you know, we want all the same things, right? Um, and so, yeah, and I think um, for my guests, you know, it's an, my intention is to hold space for their healing as well as my listeners, you know, to um, have that space where if there is something that they've never shared, it's usually something that they have shared before, but if there's ever something that they've never shared, I think I did have someone that said something. She's like, I don't think I've ever shared this before. And so that was really cool because it's like, yeah, let's, you know, take this opportunity um, to share this, you know, in, in a space that that I hope is safe, you know, I um, hope to hold, I hold that intention that it's a safe space for them, you know, and then for the listeners too to know that um, by hearing someone else share something that hopefully they realize that, that they don't have to feel shame about it, you know, that, that it, they're not, there's nothing wrong with them if they've had a struggle in this area, or if they felt this way, if they've had a fear of being seen, or, um, you know, all the things that, you know, we all have to know that, yeah, they're not the only one, because I know that when I was on my journey of, when I was feeling depressed and, and um, that I felt like I was the only one, right. And that I had this crazy person in my head that I was crazy and no one else was crazy until I ended up actually at um, a women's circle on the beach in Mexico, not knowing what the heck I was doing there. And, and, you know, when I was sitting in the circle with these women, I realized that I'm not the only person that has these thoughts. You know, I would hear other people literally speak the thoughts that I thought and go, wow, I'm not the only one. And that was such a huge part of my journey too, of, um, every racing shame in my life was, you know, being able to really share, like, I mean, I've shared such crazy things in circle that I'm like, Oh my God, I can't even believe I shared that. But you know, that's the whole point of it is to be able to lean into it and say, you know what, this is, if I can't share something in this space, that's is so safe. When am I going to share it? Right. And like who, like, and to just allow yourself to, to find those places to know that, you know, there are those um, communities out there. And if, if you don't have one in your area, then you can create one, you know, it's really um, not a hard thing to just say, hey, I'm here to hold space for people and have, and see how many people need that too, because I think that we all do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the thing is that 
most people, when they're in a time of desperation, depression, grieving, the biggest thing that they're looking for is simply to have a friend, someone that they can relate with, someone that they can open up with and just be able to say that they're not alone. And so that's why we want to share our stories publicly, because when everybody's just feeling this internally, but it's not being shared, then everyone feels alone. But the reality is we're all feeling this. And so I so appreciate both of you, because even DJ, you know, maybe you haven't written a book about your own journey of self-love or healing. Um, You created this podcast, which was so healing for me. And when I went through my season of recognizing how much shame I I had and how much I had to work through, even as an entrepreneur, um, it helped me so much, you know, so I'm so grateful for, for both of the work that you guys are doing. And I'm sure there's other listeners all across the world that are being impacted in just the same way. So that's the reason why, you know, I wanted to have you guys come on here because it's important for people to understand that it's healing. There's a lot of healing to be able to share your story and finding safe spaces. So um, I guess what other things would you say in terms of being able to create safe space or finding safe spaces that, you know, people should look for or be able to um, define so that they can be able to create those environments for others? Hmm, that's a really good question. Yeah, because uh, we can talk about it, but sometimes people are still hesitant, right? Yeah, to quantify or quantify that and make that tangible. Um, well, it's easy to say that you have to be a safe person before you can create the safe space. And then the second thing is um, it, it's it's very subjective whether pe- people feel safe around you or not. And so it, it's their feeling, it's their interpretation of how they experience you. So um, there, there, are, uh, there are people that feel safe around me. And I think um, the characteristic would be they say, I'm not judgmental, uh, that I listen. Uh, I pay attention to them and uh, I'm not trying to prepare in my mind what advice to give and what to say to them. And, uh, sort of, um, and, and I think that's what creates a space. And uh, I do that through this podcast by saying that uh, I, I'm, I'm not creating this podcast for the 1% that are already accomplished and have their book and have their platform. I want, I want to serve the other 99% so that they have a place to share their story because when you share it in public, it lightens your load so much more than just sharing it privately with one or two people, which also needs to happen. That's where you start. As you grow healthy and you want to take that next step, sharing it publicly helps you to grow and uh, help others too. I think for me, um, I mean, like I said, you know, being in circles, um, specifically women's circles has been a huge part of my healing journey. And I think one of the things that helps create that safe space is that there's agreements that are made set from the beginning. So there's the expectation, the understanding that everything that's shared in circle is confidential, right? So that people feel like I can say whatever and know that it's not going to come outside of the circle. Um, and, and the same thing with my clients, right, that I let them know that everything that we share in our, se- that you talk about in our session is confidential, that I'm not going to, you don't have to worry about, you know, something that you say here being told to everybody else in the world, right? So I think that's a really big part of it is setting an expectation and agreement, um, you know, making sure everybody's on board with that, that everyone understands that everything that's shared is confidential, um, as well as, you know, what DJ said about, you know, 
being a safe person and feeling safe within yourself, because I think there is, there's two pieces to that. Cause I think that, um, you know, we, you can't control if someone else feels safe around you, but know that you can do your best and how you show up, but then they also have their own stuff too. Right. So not to take it personally, if someone feels threatened because it probably doesn't have anything to do with you. Right. And so, um, so, so doing your best and how you show up. And like I said, and, and the agreements is a big part of that, but also another piece is vulnerability right, is that I think people feel safe when they feel like the person that is holding space is not perfect and that they're being honest and they're being vulnerable with the, gr- with the group, right? And so I know for me, um, you know, in the leading circles that I've definitely had times where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this circle today because I feel like, who am I to lead this circle right now? Like, I'm going through my stuff. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm struggling. And, you know, what ends up happening is I just show up as myself, right, being authentic, being vulnerable, saying, here's what's real for me. And by me being honest and real and vulnerable, then it creates a safe space for the other people in the group to understand, to go, wow, I don't have to show up perfect either because she's not perfect and, you know, and and none of us are, right? And so it, it really just actually creates a safer space when we don't act like we have our shit together completely, because the truth is none of us do all the time. Right. And so just being able to show up as who you are in that moment, um, creates that safe space for others. Yeah, definitely. Vulnerability is the key to connection. And it's something that we talk a lot about with, um, this past season, I've been trying to bring, uh, guests on talk about learning how to be more authentic. Cause we talk a lot about that within, the coaching community. So um, have you guys heard feedback or testimonies of people after they share their story on the podcast of how that's helped them? DJ? Oh, I was going to defer to jo- Joy first. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Thank you>. Oh. <laughs> um, <Okay>. Sure. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've just had people say like, you know, thank you for, I mean, they just, really appreciate um, the space that I hold and, um, you know, just feel like they have um, gotten a lot of value, you know, and, and from the um, questions. And um, it's always interesting because, I mean, it, I don't tell people the questions ahead of time because I don't want them to have the answers prepared. Although it is a requirement to be on my show to, you know, leave a review and a rating. And so I guess in a way they probably are going to have the questions, but at the same time, there's only, there's certain questions that I ask and then there a lot of it's conversation too, right? So I can't actually even tell them the questions because I don't even know what the questions are going to be, right? It's in the mm-hmm. moment. And, and so, um, yeah, so it's interesting because I had uh, one of my um, guests say, well, you know, I, I knew this was a question, but I didn't prepare an answer. And I'm like, well, that's actually perfect because, you know, it's like that naked truth question. Like, I don't actually want you to have that answer prepared, right? Because then you're probably going to come up with the answer that you think you should say rather than what's really true for you. And there is no right or wrong answer, right? It's the, so when someone, when I ask that question and they don't have the answer prepared, I, and they start thinking about it, I say, you know, just whatever comes to you first, right? Like if you're taking too much time, you're probably overthinking it. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I think that that is, um, yeah, that it's been, I've gotten great feedback about just the, the, how much they appreciate, um, you know, the podcast and the questions and the conversation. Yeah. Anything to add, DJ? Yeah, specifically on feedback that I've heard as they share their story. Uh, last summer, we did a series uh, titled Erasing Shame About Mental Health in Asian American Communities. 
and I had a mix of older as well as younger. Uh, they happen to be mostly women. So women are more comfortable talking about their emotions than men, uh, stereotype, but tends to be true. And uh, I recall two or three of the women say, this is the first time they've shared their story. And after they've done it, uh, they felt empowered and they feel lighter. A burden has been lifted off their shoulders. And uh, to make that a safe place, we pre-recorded the video, uh, we edited it lightly, and we said, um, you get to approve and cut out anything you'd like before we publish it. And so they felt free to speak, and um, to one, only one had a small edit to a deleted clip, but uh, hearing that was very uh, satisfying for all of us to say, this really matters, and it's not about how big of an audience that we get. Just doing it and making that space for people made a difference, and that's worth it. Yeah, and I guess to have a last maybe wrap up in terms of the experience of people going through um, sharing their stories on uh, your podcast, I mean, do you notice different themes that, you know, cause them to feel shame and then what helped them get out of their shame? Just in general, like, because you've heard so many stories now. DJ, you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, anything that comes well, to mind, you know. Well, uh, Joyce Joy said it several times that we all uh, have the same uh, emotions and we want the same things just as being people. So shame, shame is part of the human condition. And uh, we, we all experience it in different ways, but we all experience it. And that's why it's such a powerful feeling. And uh, another guest of ours said, shame is anything we can't talk about. And there's something about life, whether it's through our social conditioning in the family context, or just socializing with other people, that there's things that we want to hide from people. And that's oh, a gross. signal. That's a signal. That's a tell for those people that play poker, that's a signal that you're, you're experiencing shame, that you have something to hide. And so it's such a big thing. We'll never run out of content to talk about. And until, um, well, if ever one day people feel empowered to not be stuck with the stigma of uh, depression or mental illness or other things that hold us back, we want to uh, keep talking about it so that it's normalized and people feel empowered, and they get the help they need. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's interesting, because shame is something we all experience. But I think, like DJ said, it's something that is, um, looks different for everybody, right? And it is very personal, because um, I had a guest who said that, you know, she shared about how in her past, um, she, she had all these things that would happen to her, you know, and then like, car accidents they're just like manifesting all these kind of negative things and um and it almost became like oh you know like an expectation that something bad was going to happen because that's just like what she attracts right and so you know she she shared with me later how she realized in that um in sharing that that she still felt shame around it you know and so I, I kind of worked with her through that and recognizing that well first of all awareness is the first 
step, right, to change anything. So she had this awareness, which is great, you know, and it doesn't, it may not feel great, you know, when you when you have an awareness about something, but to know that you can't actually change anything until you become aware of it, right? So I know in my journey, I couldn't um, love myself and, and get out of this relationship until I recognized that there was a problem, right? Until I became aware that, wait a second, I'm not loving myself, you know? Um, and to know that the, the journey never ends, right? And so um, I, I do believe that, you know, our, our personal growth journey is a spiral where there's times where it's not a linear path and there's times where we're going to come back to something that might feel like, wait, I've already, I already thought I healed this already, you know, and, and to know that it's not that you didn't do the work, but that there's another layer, you know, that's coming up for healing, right? And so it's just interesting to me because I think that, um, yeah, it's just very individual, right? And, and I can look at someone that, you know, um, I had someone that talked about weight loss and body image and how, you know, I looked at her and thought, like, you're beautiful, right? Like, I can't imagine, you know, like, why you would have, you know, those kind of um, challenges in, in a way, but it's like, but I can, because I know that it is personal, right? That we, we always tend to see people in a different light than ourselves. We tend to see people in a better light than we see ourselves in, right? And we, we don't judge people the way that we judge ourselves. Um, so, so yeah, I would say that, I mean, there's definitely, you know, generally we have, you know, care about what we people think, the fear of what people think or judgment or being afraid of being seen or, you know, there's a lot of common themes, but, but shame is very individual, you know, and, and like DJ said, it's anything that we don't feel comfortable talking about. Um, and so the great thing about it is that shame can't live in the light, right? When we talk about it, when we bring it to the light, then that's when it gets healed. Right. And so, um, so I'm so grateful that I've had, you know, the support in my life because, I definitely would have a lot more shame, you know, if I didn't um, find those communities and show up though, because, you know, just having the community, you can still sit there and not say anything, right. And not take the opportunity to heal through that. Right. But it's um, being willing to have the courage to share because it does take courage, right. It isn't an easy thing. If, if it's not, if it is easy, then I would say that you probably don't feel shame about it because the whole thing around shame is that it's something you don't want to share. And so so it should be difficult, right? It should feel hard in a way. But when you do it, in my experience, it's then I'm like, well, that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And when you can do it in a safe space where you know that you're held in love, um, then it's just it's a beautiful thing to be able to release the shame. Yeah, yeah. I have one small thing uh, for those that are watching the video version of this conversation. Uh, three of us are Asian background, Asian American. And I think it adds a whole nother layer of uh, freedom and empowerment for Asian Americans to be talking about shame. Because right now, most of the people that are talking about shame in public are researchers and people that tend to be white. And in my conversation with people of color, uh, shame in the African American and Latino and Asian communities are still very not talked about. So we've got a lot of work to do. So, Joy, thank you so much for doing what you're doing with your book and your podcast. We need more of that. And thank you, Nancy, for being part of uh, hosting this podcast as well. Yeah. And I did want to leave our audience. Um, we did create a uh, online, sorry, a, a telephone hotline for those who did want to be able to have a safe space to connect with at least me and DJ here. Um in case they don't feel like they have safe spaces to be able to do so and being able to just have a friend to reach out to. So I want to leave that number, um, at least for our audience here, but it definitely starts with taking a look at who's available in your world. Who's the people that you can really trust and come to and have that, then, you know, there are communities that are online that are safe 
um, forums or chat rooms or safe spaces like the group that we've created, as well as this telephone hotline. So let me just read that. It is 619-493-0597. Again, 619-493-0597. As well as we do have our, um, you know, website uh, if you want to email us, email us or get in touch with us that way. Uh, Joy, if people want to get in touch with you, what's a good way to connect with you further? Um, you can go to my website, which is joychang.com. That's J-O-I-E-C-H-E-N-G.com. And also, you know, find me. On, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know you just had an amazing opportunity to speak at the TEDx conference in, was it Michigan? Yes. Michigan. So I'm sure there's going to be like a flood of people wanting to connect with you further as well. Um, real quick, as we sign off here, just do you want to add like a quick, a quick little um, synopsis of how that went and, you know, kind of your experience of uh, being able to do something that was really fulfilling, like a big dream that you had? Sure. Um, yeah. So it was, um, it, it was a pretty crazy um, journey. Um, it was almost, it felt like long, but short because it was almost a year from when I um, actually it was probably more than a year from when I actually put it on my vision board and to when I actually did the talk. Um, but it was two months from when I got the talk to when I actually did the talk. And then really the last month was when I was actually preparing and, you know, sending in the outline and, and step-by-step doing the process um, to get ready for the talk. And um, I learned a lot. That was my first time where I, I flew to speak somewhere. Um, and so I learned a lot about making sure that you have an extra day for travel, you know, which I did on accident. And thankfully I did because I would have missed the talk because of all the flight cancellations and delays that happened. So there was a lot of stress around just, yeah, not sure if I was going to make it eventually having to surrender and say, okay, you know, if I'm meant to be there, I will. Right. And just kind of leave it to God because I I think that, you know, we can only do so much. And then it's like, okay, I just got to trust that this is going to happen, right? Um, But I I had a lot of support. I I reached out for support because I was like thinking, well, you know, I could do this on my own. And I know I'm powerful. But at the same time, we're so much more powerful together. Why not leverage other people too, right? And and help people to be a part of this journey with me. And so I posted about, you know, all the the stuff that was happening and asking for prayers and all of that. Um, So it was really helpful to know that so many people were cheering me along as well and and really wanting me to get there. And also recognizing that it's not, it wasn't about me. Like that's the thing that I always come back to in my business is when I'm struggling, I'm most likely focusing on myself, right? <laughs> it's so much easier once I shift that focus on other people because it's like, wait, if I'm, this is about other people. This is about, you know, someone else's life that could be saved or changed from my talk. That's the power of my talk and what I have to share. And so when I do that, then it's like, well, the challenges don't seem that big of a deal. It's like, of course I'm going to, I mean, everything just kind of, I feel like the path gets cleared when I focus on other people. And so it was, like I said, a journey to get there. And then, you know, it it felt, um, it went so fast. I mean, it was an eight minute talk, so I wasn't on stage for very long. And um, so it it almost felt like a dream because I was on four hours of sleep and, uh, and, and just in preparing for the talk, basically all my shit came up, right? I I was doing a talk about self-love. So, you know, all this stuff came up around who am I to do this? Because, you know, I still struggle with it and I've come a long way, but you know, I'm not perfect. My life's not perfect. All of this shit was coming up. Right. And I I was actually close to being like, you know, maybe I'm going to tell them like, I can't do this because they've got the wrong person. (laughs) Like they, I don't know what, you know, like all of that shit was coming up. And then I was like, okay, wait a second. This is an opportunity for me to go even deeper into loving myself, right. To even like 
take all the practices that I've done and to, you know, to do them again and to keep like, you know, and just to go even deeper and to realize that I know I'm here to do this, right? Like, and this is actually a part of my message is that self-love is not about being perfect, right? It's actually, that's not the goal at all, right? It's not about having a perfect life. Um, It's a continuous practice, you know? Um, and knowing that um, there's always, there is perfection in everything, even when it doesn't seem perfect, but you have to look for it, right? And you have to choose to to see the gold and the lesson in it. And that's a big part of my show too, is that I always tell people and ask them about their challenges. I say, what's the lesson, the blessing, the gift in this? Because I really think that there's a gift in everything, um, but it's our, our choice whether to find it or not. So all that stuff came up and, and then it was like moving through it and going, no, I know this is what I'm here to do. And I know inside that I can do this. But I think sometimes when we don't have faith, we can borrow other people's faith, right? So I also borrowed, you know, the the events faith, right? They're the organizers' faith and going, okay, they obviously chose me for a reason. If they didn't think I could do it, they wouldn't have chosen me. Like they don't want someone on stage that's going to do a horrible job, right? That looks bad in them too. So I'm sure that they wouldn't have somebody that can't do it, right? And so obviously they believe in me. And so I borrowed their faith as well. Um, and then, you know, I did the best that I could. And, um, you know, of course, like, it's so easy to get down on ourselves. And I'm like, Oh, I said, like, maybe four words wrong. And I paused a little bit one time when I was trying to think of what I was going to say. But, you know, at the end of the day, I did the best that I could. And I had several people come up to me afterwards and say, thank you for being here. And you did a great job. And a woman talked to me for a long time and really resonated with what I shared and said that, you know, she's been through a lot. She has had PTSD and all these things. And it really helped her to hear what I said and the way I said it. And she really appreciated it, you know, and um, you know, a couple of people asked about my book and, and that's just the people in the audience. And I know that when it goes up on YouTube, I think there's 22 million subscribers on their channel. It's a huge platform, right? So, um, so I'm just, yeah, so grateful for the opportunity. Um, because I know that, you know, that self-love saved my life. And I know that, you know, it has the potential to save other people's too. And I think it's just something that is so important that, um, you know, we hear so much, but there's, we can't ever, um, hear it enough, really, because it is the foundation for everything in our life, right? Everything that we want always comes back to self-love. Um, and so, so yeah, I'm just grateful that I, I had that opportunity and that I was able to, to get there. And yeah. Yeah. So I guess on a final note, um, so what we've really been talking about is being able to share your story for your own healing. So press in, have courage, open up, Tell someone about any pain or shame or hurt that you're going through. Do not leave it in the darkness. And also know that your story has the ability to heal others. So it's not just for you. It's for you to be able to bless other people by being able to be vulnerable and um, allowing them to be able to connect and feel a part of um, the, the bigger world that we live in and all the humanity that we share through our pain. So with that, I think that's pretty much our time today, guys. Thank you so much for being on um, our episode today, uh, Joy, and obviously uh, DJ for letting me uh, facilitate and uh, host today. Uh, this is our wrap-up for today, and thank you everyone else for tuning in. We are Erasing Shame, and that's Erasing Shame, one story at a time. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of Erasing Shame. Please rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube and like on Facebook. Share with your friends and followers. Together, we are Erasing Shame, one story at a time. Get all the details at ErasingShame.com.